Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to C4C Apologetics. Thanks for joining us today. And again, I know you guys are tired of hearing from me. So I got someone that's very, uh, he's got such a great personality. I love this guy. His videos are short to the point, very deep, uh, very logical and reasoning as far as just taking information, some things that skeptics, cynics, atheists say, and just exposing the logical fallacies to them. His character, his personality is just so fun. And so if you haven't checked out Red Pen and Logic, my friend, Mr. B, Tim Barnett, do so after the video, okay? Because he's got a lot of stuff to say for us today. So you're going to be blessed just by sticking around with us. But Mr. B, uh, can you explain just a little bit about yourself? Maybe anything you'd like to share? What is Red Pen Logic and how can they find you? Sure. Uh, my name is uh, Tim Barnett. I am, yeah, I'm, I'm Mr. B. And what's interesting about that is I used to be Mr. B, okay? Um, I Before doing this apologetics thing, I was a full-time high school science and math teacher. And everyone listening who hated science and math is thinking, ooh, <laughs> why, 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 why would anyone do that, you know, for a living? Well, I, you know, yeah. I was one of those weird kids that liked science and math. So um, I, I got into teaching. I mean, I love teaching too. And uh, we did that for a little while. Mm -hmm. And then I fell in love with this thing called apologetics, right? <laughs> and um, I started teaching, you know, at this church and that church and uh, did a couple of events and that ended up growing and snowballing into going to work for Stand to Reason, um, which is this organization that I had been following um, for a number of years with Greg Kokel and based in Southern California. And they, you know, gave me a, a I got an email from them saying, hey, can you come speak for us? Yeah. And uh, anyways, things went on from there. And now I've been with them since 2015 now. Nice. Um, so that's coming on six years, oh. uh, six full years. Yeah, it's, it's time flies when you're having fun. And just last year, um, because of a number of things, but uh, mostly because of the pandemic had us all locked down, um, we started doing more stuff online. And one of the yeah. ideas that came to mind was, hey, let's apply some uh, the red pen that a teacher would use, you know, like yeah. I used to mark papers and mark, by the way, score, so you were marking. one of those, you were one of those teachers. <laughs> yeah. And, but we did it because we're trying to help the student, right? It's not like right. big <laughs> F no, here's how I can help you. You, yeah. you missed a step here. Let me try to, let me fill in the blanks for you. Yeah. And, uh, and so it was always, you know, sweet trying to help the, the students. <laughs> Now, uh, people don't take it that way when yeah. you do it on Twitter, okay? Um, some take it as, uh, you know, like we're trying to be mean or aggressive or, or whatever. Yeah. But what we're just trying to do is look at, there's lots of stuff floating around on social media. And we look at it, many of us look at it and think, I know there's something wrong with this, but I, I can't spot the error. I can't spot the fallacy or maybe the misinformation or whatever. And, uh, and so what I try to do is come along and help people walk them through that with the red pen. And then with the videos that we do on the YouTube channel, that's more of a, okay, a training tool. I want to now yeah. take you by the hand, walk you through the steps. And you know what? We posted the first one, uh, not knowing what would happen. Mm -hmm. And it was just, I mean, it was really, it, it went really well. It was successful. And so we've been doing them now. We've produced 17 videos. And uh, so far, and hopefully many, many, many more to come. 
Um, and so that's, that's kind of what I've been up to, you know, last little while, but I'm excited to sit down and talk with you about an issue that frankly, I don't get asked to speak, uh, talk about very often. Uh Um, and so I'm excited. Um, I'm, I'm thinking I'll probably learn some things from you as we go, because I know you know no. <laughs> uh, about this too, um, this issue. Frankly, um, a lot of people are uh, have had the knock at the door, right? And they 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 and they didn't know what to to say. And so I this is this is going to be great. Yeah, I do have to ask you a couple of questions though, real quick. Oh sure. You said you wanted to get into apologetics, right? Yeah. So do you like people just yelling at you, telling you that you're believing in the flying spaghetti monster and stuff like, do you just, are you a sucker for punishment? So I <laughs> honestly, my personality, I really don't like confrontation. Okay. Oh. I'm, a, I'm a Canadian. Okay. And we, <laughs> we like, you know, that we like when people like us, I mean, yeah. I don't know if that's a cultural thing or what. So one of the <laughs> hardest things about being an apologist. Yeah. And well, just being a follower of Christ in this day and age, quite frankly, um, is that look at there's, it doesn't matter how loving, how sweet you are to someone. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have people, I've had people call me names and I'm doing my very, very best to love them and be sweet to them. But the reality is if you're preaching a message that they don't like, then that makes you a hater that makes you on their view, intolerant, bigoted, and so on. So it is, I mean, the, the job of the apologist, which we're all called to be, um, is, is not for the faint of heart. Um, it is, and I, I think this is one of the reasons why a lot of people stay away from it because they don't want to be that guy. They don't want to be the guy who, you know, responds, defends the faith. Yeah. Um, because, you know, maybe people don't like me or, you know, unfortunately, I, I, I totally get that. We got videos out there and it's just, it's, it's wild. The type of responses we get, but you mentioned you're a math teacher as well, or at least you yeah. were, have you yeah. ever heard of the Mandelbrot set? The Mandel, I honestly haven't. What is okay. that? Well, Dr. Jason Lau, I was introduced to it by that. And one okay. of his lectures called the secret code of creation. And it has, it has to do with a set of numbers based upon a formula that you can plot on a graph, an X, Y axis graph. And it makes this very intricate design. And no matter how far out you zoom or zoom in, it's just, it just shows the beauty of fractals. Ah, uh, yeah, fractals. Yeah. Just, so, and I know you're a fine tuning guy. And so yeah, you yeah. said that was your, uh, your bread and butter. But uh, Mandelbrot set, that's a fascinating thing, Jason Lyle. But, uh, but like you said, well, today we're going to be talking about a group of people that will tend to knock on our doors. Mm-hmm. Maybe once COVID gets lifted, we'll see them more. Whenever people yeah. would knock on my door, I used to you know, slam the door in their, in their face. Mm-hmm. I was one of those people. Yeah. Until really the spirit was like, hey, look, you don't have to go knock on their, they're knocking on your door to know about Jesus. And yeah. so uh, anybody following the channel, you know, we do a lot of stuff about Mormonism. I've studied Mormonism for a decade or two, but today we're going to take a break, shift gears. I'm going to talk to my friend, Mr. B, about the Jehovah's Witness organization. I call it an organization for a specific reason, because mm-hmm. I I understand it's a religion. I would go as far as saying it's a cult because when you look mm-hmm. at cult terminology, it's very similar. One man, one organization, like you were saying. Uh, then you have this fear tactic to keep people in, and it's about money. So I look at it more as a business enterprise. But yeah. we'll get into that later on. But I just got a bunch of questions I want to ask you. And first, right off the bat, 
how did the Jehovah's Witness organization, uh, Watchtower Society, how did they all get started? Yeah, this is this is good. Maybe before <laughs> before I tell you how they got started, mm-hmm. and I'll just sketch that kind of briefly. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about who they are. Okay, so the, the yeah, person yeah. that shows up at your door, um, they are going to be sweet. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, smile on their face. Um, they are I, I, they are trained. And this is what got me into this, by the way. Um, they, I wasn't like I was, I sat down one day and thought, you know what it would be really fun? Just studying everything about Jehovah's Witness. Why not? That's what I do. Christian <laughs> science, Mormon, Jehovah Witness, all these others. <laughs> well, I, I think my suspicion is the reason you did that was because you've met these people. You want to be prepared uh, to answer them, right? Yeah. And it's, it's not just, well, for fun, for the fun of it, you know, like, yeah. um, so- so it was one day I'm sitting on the couch. It was actually in a different house and uh, heard the knock and there's, and, and you, you mentioned, you know, you can either be mean. My, yeah. one, one of the things I, I wasn't going to be mean. that wasn't going to be the deal, but because I'm Canadian, maybe I just, hide, <laughs> maybe I just hide. Maybe I just don't answer the door, you well, know, whatever. <laughs> um, and, uh, and there's so, a lot of good Canadian hockey teams that are fighters too. That's right. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's true. Very aggressive fighting. Yeah. yeah. On the ice, it's a different story. Okay. <laughs> now. Um, so I went to the door and yeah. um, they introduced themselves and I thought, Oh, perfect. Jehovah's witnesses. Okay. We're going to have a conversation. I love talking about spiritual things. I'll be really honest they turned me into a theological pretzel. Okay. Like I was not prepared. I grew up in the church. Okay. You know, like I, from, from birth, essentially we were doing, you know, church three days a week, you know, whether it was my mom at the choir thing or the, we were there for Wednesday nights or Friday nights, Sunday morning, Sunday school, all that stuff. But we just, what I found out early on was that I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't know my theology and I certainly couldn't defend it. Yeah. And so when they started taking me to verses on, in their, in their new world translation, which we'll talk about, I, I didn't know how to respond. I was speechless yeah. and I didn't like that feeling. Okay. I didn't like the feeling that I had just got kind of theologically beat oh, up. Yeah. So what ended up happening was instead of, you know, just giving up, I, I went to the internet and okay, they said this and I started looking up, they gave me this is how they thought they had me because they, they, they just gave me the yeah. silver sword. Okay. Like they, uh, is that they, what they call it? The silver sword. Yeah. Yeah. Over here. They, <laughs> I mean, it's a, it is a beautiful looking Bible leather Here's bound than ours, you know? And, uh, and so, um, I mean, I was talking, I actually said like they, they had it out. Now they use iPads, but they mm-hmm. had this Bible out. And I said, because they read a verse, they read John one. I say, I, John, we're going to talk about John one, one, but I thought that's it. I got him. I got this Jehovah's witness in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God case closed. And, and then they open up their Bible and that's not what it said. It said a God. Again, I don't want to jump into that yet, but my point is they had a different verse. So I said to them, can I have that? Yeah. Can I have that Bible? And they were like, absolutely. Here you go. You can, here you go. Yeah. Um, so they, they basically gave me, I don't know if it was his Bible or what, but he gave it to me. It's because I wanted to read this thing and yeah. I wanted to know what was going on. So we started looking into it. So the first thing is, who are these people? Uh, and so that's how, that's how I got into this. 
and and I invited them back. I said, "Hey, come back next week. Let's talk more about this." Yeah. But then I was prepared, <laughs> and then I got their cell phone number. I mean, we developed a relationship mm. um, to the point where, and people think this is funny. What's that? I got there. I said, "You guys know where I live. Uh-huh. I want to know where you live." <laughs> Not, and it wasn't because it wasn't because I was gonna, you know, attack them or vandalize their house. You're Canadian, because, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's because I wanted to knock on their door. There you go. So I got there. I got his address. Yeah. And uh, and then I surprised them one day. Drove over to their house. They mm-hmm. weren't too far from where I where I used okay. to live. Knocked, and you should have seen the look on his face. When I was at his door yeah. to tell him about my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so uh, here's the thing: the Jehovah's Witness that shows up at your door. Before uh-huh. we get to the history, yeah, yeah, they are going to be sweet, but they are going to be well trained. And most Christians, and this is where I commend the the Jehovah's Witnesses. These guys spend the time. Um, doing the work before they show up at your door. And that's why most Christians, they don't know their, they don't know what they believe or how, or why they believe it. And that's why the Christians like that nominal Christians are easy pickings for the JWs. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Not only are they, they're they're well-trained, but they're, I call it, they're watchtowered. Okay. They're trained, but they're watchtowered. That means they see the world through the watchtower lens. Mm -hmm. It's not that they know the Bible really well. It's that they know what the watchtower has taught them really well. Yeah. Okay. So they're watchtowered and they're, they're and another thing is they're warned. They're warned that you, um, especially a guy like me who, you know, studies theology and is a, a, a part-time pastor at my church. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, I am, you know, working for the devil, you know, this kind of thing. And so there, there's a sense in which, they're very um, uh, skeptical about, you know, who they're talking to and what you're about to say. And they think they've heard it all, you know, and, and you're just of the world and you probably practice, you know, birthdays and wear a cross and all that stuff. They just have this image. And so they and so when you say, Oh, you guys are just a cult. They're yeah. like, that's exactly what our watchtower. That's exactly what our organization said you would say. Yeah. And you end up kind of, reaffirming to them yeah what the watch so and so so they've been they're well trained and that's the same thing with mormonism too because mormonisms they look at like protestant christians as not having the fullness of the gospel and so when we explain no joseph smith we're like oh that's okay they just don't have the fullness of it you know and so it's very similar but yeah yeah but yeah so you're saying so and and then finally i I, they're committed okay these guys um they, they are committed. I mean, they're going door to door. Um, and we'll talk about why they go door to door, maybe a little bit later on, Mm -hmm. but these guys, these guys will lose family and friends if they were to stop, uh, if they were to, to leave the organization. Okay. Um, so there's all these factors that are going on this individual. So this is, I just, before we kind of launch into this, I want people, I want this podcast, this video to be the kind of video someone can watch who's, you know, they're, they just had a Jehovah's witness knock on their door. They head to the internet, they yeah. find C for C video here. And it's like, how is this going to help me? The first thing I want them to know before we even get to the history, which is um, interesting 
the person you just talked to, the person, the Jehovah's Witness that you maybe work with or mm -hmm. go to school with, this is, this is the kind of person you're dealing with. Yeah. They're trained, they're watchtowered, they are warned about you, yeah. okay? And because you, you're, you're gonna be, oh, well, I'm just gonna bring them some Bible verses and they're gonna think, okay, I'm, I've been warned about you. Yeah. And then they're committed. There is so much at stake for these people. It's not like they could just leave the watchtower and maintain friendships and, and family. Yeah. Okay. There is a disfellowshipping and there is a shunning that takes yeah. place. And now there's a, now there's, so there's psychological things going on too. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to, I don't want my parents to essentially shun me, disown me. Um, so this is, this is, this is what's going on now. Jehovah's witnesses, man, there's, there's about 8 million on the planet over 8 million now. Um, that's what they, that's what, you know, Wikipedia report, says. Yeah. yeah. They'll report, um, they're called, you know, active members or called publishers because yeah. they're the ones bringing you watchtower. They're bringing their, their, their magazines awake, yeah. and awake. That's right. And, um, but they're, they're for 8 million members, mm -hmm. they are extremely effective because I mean, if we're honest, someone's watching, it's like, Hey, I, but I've met one, you know? How is it? How is it possible that with only eight million worldwide, I met one of these people? Yeah, and that's because they door to door doing their thing every week. The guys that would come to my door originally, we had some younger guys. Yeah, they would bring two elders. Eventually, two elders would come to mind. They one time they two elders brought a third guy, a third wow. young guy who hadn't been baptized yet, and they never brought that young guy back again. Cause I end up focusing and we can talk about some tactics, but I focus directly on him. Yeah. And, uh, they didn't like that very much. So these two older guys, um, mm -hmm. who, uh, I, I mean, th they were doing 40 hours a week yeah. of door to door uh, wow. ministry. So that was their full-time deal. That was yeah. their, that was their, they, they were, these guys were both retired and that's all they did. Yeah. Um, let's go back though to the 1870s. Okay. So how do we, how did we get here to 8 million door to door given out? I mean, we're talking, uh, 200 million Bibles have gone out. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to call it the Bible, new world translations, uh, mis <laughs> mis go, yeah. mistranslations, yeah. 200 million, um, millions of copies of their magazines. How did, how did we get here? Well, it started with a guy, uh, Charles Taze Russell. Okay. Um, who was an Adventist, Seventh-day Adventist, um, in the 1870s. Okay. Now he, the Adventists, they actually have, you know, they, they already, you know, um, deny the soul. Some do the soul and, um, and a, a literal hell. Mm -hmm. Um, now Russell ended up going even beyond that when he left them, he started rejecting, all Christian, essentially all the major yeah. Christian doctrines. Mm -hmm. Okay. Deity of Christ, the Trinity, mm -hmm. so on. And so, uh, Russell starts, um, kind of his own thing. And this is where, again, as kind of a teaching exercise, not just to give you guys a history lesson, okay. but when it comes to, when it comes to calls and I'm, I, I'm comfortable calling it that not in a derogatory sense, like this is, this is a definition of a cult, right? Yeah. Um, you get, you get false teaching usually starts with a false teacher mm -hmm. and you can um, give examples from other cults yeah. and re false religions, mm -hmm. 
false teaching, false revelation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause you gotta have, it's gonna, you gotta get the T te- it's gotta come from somewhere. And yeah. so in their case, it comes from a couple of different places. It comes from their magazines. It comes from published works. Man, what like- does the Bible really teach? You yeah. know, you guys thought it taught that, but what does it really teach? <laughs> um, and, and then we'll, we'll get to the new world translation and some of the problems with that. Yeah. But th- so, so they have their own revelation and then they have a false authority. Mm. The, all of a sudden, who are we going to for our authority? Well, we're yeah. going to talk about that. So let's, okay. False teacher yeah. starts with James. It starts with uh, Charles Taze Russell mm-hmm. and from him, you end up, this is, you know, uh, Pennsylvania, you end up getting, uh, his, or, he, he starts to grow his organization where you have forming, um, what we now refer to as the watchtower. Now, mm-hmm. um, you know, he had his studies in the scriptures. He actually wrote a book. And it was all basically he's trying to correct doctrine. Okay. Like the, the last 1800 years since Christ, it's been all wrong. And this, I mean, this should be a red flag. Okay. When it comes to anyone, right. It's just like Mormonism too. And so here, all this false teaching historically. um, And yet, and so here comes Russell and he says, I'm going to, I'm going to fix all this teaching. And so he, uh, and, and we could talk about some of the, uh, we'll talk about some of the doctrines as we go here mm-hmm. and some of those that have actually been changed. I mean, here's, it, it, so then you get the, the revelation. Of course, he starts putting out his magazines and early on, um, these guys have been very effective in publishing, mm. um, tons of, of literature. Yeah. And, uh, even early on, you know, when, when Russell had p- passed away in, in 1916, I think, um, he had written some say like 50,000 pages wow. of yeah. work. Um, and, and that was just sent out, you know? Yeah. Um, so he, he was, uh, he was um, efficient in producing false teaching. Okay. Yeah. And then finally you get to this false authority and what ended up happening, an organization formed, mm-hmm. and this is what happens with, there's always a, an authority when it comes yeah. to cults. That's not the Bible. That's not God. It, it, it was the Watchtower, which we now call the Watchtower, the Watchtower and Bible and Track Society. And the Watchtower, um, it, I mean, they, they make claims like this. They, they consider themselves God's visible representative here on earth. Yeah. Okay. They are the prophet of God here on earth. And they say things like, um, we must, re- this is in Watchtower, we must recognize not only Jehovah God as our father, mm-hmm. but his organization as our mother. I mean, oh. that is just, I mean, that should just, yeah. ugh, that makes my skin crawl. You know, that's, that's, that's blasphemous. Yeah. You know, um, here's another quote. They say, unless we are in touch with the channel of communication that God is using, mm-hmm. the Watchtower Society. Yeah. We will not progress along the road to life. We're talking about life, like spiritual life, no matter how much Bible reading we do. Okay, so this is, again, this is cult mentality is to take, here's my actual Bible, to <laughs> take real authority and replace it with a different authority, no. a false authority. And, they, and eventually, I mean, this is a bold claim. Eventually the claim is, 
you, you don't, you can't progress with just this. You need this. That, I mean, so, so all the flags are there very early on mm -hmm. and they've just continued false teaching, false revelation. We'll talk more about and the false authority. Yeah. If I didn't know any better, you're, you're like a Baptist preacher. Cause you always have these three points, <laughs> but, uh, but no, it, there is so much similarity between the Jehovah's witness organization and, and Mormonism. Cause like you had mentioned that, uh, Charles has Russell and his Bible study, uh, folks back in Pittsburgh, they wanted mm -hmm. to fix theology. That's been wrong for 1800 years. Yeah. The same runs true with Mormonism is Joseph Smith said that the church went apostate, uh, up until, he restored the church in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And like you had mentioned, as far as like uh, cults are concerned, and we, we mentioned this before, Islam, revelation supposedly by Gabriel, but given to Muhammad. Uh, yeah. Charles Taz Russell, really, uh, for Jehovah's Witness, you have Joseph Smith with the Book of Mormon, Mary Baker Eddy, which I think was the Seventh-day Adventist, I believe. And then you have mm -hmm. uh, Church of Christian Science. All these are doctrines introduced by an individual period mm -hmm. whereas with like scripture like like commonly reported 40 different authors 1500 different years one systematic message yeah. and so it's not one person there it's god using many people yeah. to get his message out and so yeah yeah definitely like like you were saying uh so what did the jehovah's witness look like so you had made a mention as this is who they are mormons yeah. white white button-up shirt black tie black pants uh, before we move on, what's the typical attire? How do we know they're different from like just an evangel evangelical trying to door knock? Yeah, that's a that's a good uh, that's a good question. And um, some of the things I'll point out, I don't know if there's a, I know there's so there's rules. Okay. And when we get yeah. to when we get to the um, question on the gospel and how they have a different gospel. Yeah. One of the things is you have to follow the Watchtower rules. Yeah. So like your beard. That's not going to cut it. Okay. You don't, you, you can't, you couldn't be a Jehovah's witness. That's okay. Um, I'd rather have my beard. These <laughs> I've guys, waited 20 years. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, yeah, they, uh, they're going to be really well-dressed. In fact, they, this is the thing they, they point this out to you. I mean, they had to me, the guy, the Jehovah's witnesses I've met when they, uh -huh. they, they will say, look at us, look how clean and, and shaved and, the, and look yeah. at our suits. I mean, we are dressed to impress, you know, this kind yeah. of thing. Mm. And so there's, uh, you know, th so they're going to, when they come to your door, you're going to notice right away that these people, they're dressed in their Sunday best when they, when they're coming to your yeah. door, right. Yeah. Not going to be wearing ripped jeans and this, which is what I'm wearing right now. And, um, and, and, a, and a t-shirt, yeah. um, of course they're going to have their new world translation under their arm. They're going to have the, the, they're going to have their, um, awake and, and watch tar magazines. Yeah. Um, so uh, but there, were you thinking of something else? Was there some, some other? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just like you. I mean, typically you'll, you'll see them in their Sunday best. Like, like yeah. you said, it could be a hundred degrees here in the South and they're still wearing their full suits. Not yeah. so they're committed just yeah. like, again, like the Mormons, they're committed because they have to do this Yeah. as opposed to that Christians want or should yeah. want to yeah. do this. But yeah, when it comes to their works, the works are part of salvation. Okay. It's, 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 we're going to talk about it's grace. Yeah. They mean something very different by grace and faith. Yeah. Um, they attach works to it. Whereas the Christian, our works follow our faith. Okay. That's how that we're saved by faith, but 
and then the works follow. For them, no, no. If you aren't, if you aren't doing following the rules, right? You are, you're not, you're not saved. No. Um, there's no assurance there. No. Now, here, here's a really uh, important point. Now, I, I didn't find this to be super effective when I was doing it, but I know others have. Yeah. And so we talked about how it's a false authority. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways you can kind of chip away at the Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witness confidence in their authority, the Watchtower, mm-hmm. is to point out times where the Watchtower has been a false authority. So um, they, for example, they have made many false prophecies, okay, um, in the past. And, and uh, one, I mean, Charles Taze Russell, he was convinced that the world was going to end yep. in 1874, Sorry, I'm trying to look something up. I'm, I'm, I want to pull something up. You, you no, no, it please up, do. So I got to pull it up. Please do. Ahead. Please do. So he he thought that, um, well, he thought the second coming of Christ was in 1874. And, and there was a reason for where he got that number. Um, and uh, he would have, they would eventually change that date to 1914 when it didn't happen in 1874. So you know where he got that information from? I don't know if you can see this. But he got this information from measuring a couple of different pathways within one of the Egyptian pyramids based upon an obscure verse he used in the book of Isaiah. Wow. So I I think, you know, I remember reading about this, uh, something about the Bible in stone or something like that is what they called it. And what's interesting is when uh, the next president, when Joseph Rutherford stepped up Uh as, as president, he actually condemned and they said, this is Satan's Bible, you know, the pyramids, because they're pagan. And by the way, yeah. everything, you talk to a Jehovah's Witness, virtually everything's pagan uh, that Christians believe or practice, okay? Um, that word gets thrown, thrown around a lot. Yeah. Okay, so 1874, you can read it in Watchtower. Jesus is coming back, but he doesn't come back. Okay, false prophecy. Mm-hmm. The, and, and here's the thing, most JWs, they aren't even familiar with some of these prophecies, especially the, the, the guys who haven't been around a while. Um, they're, they're newer converts. Um, ni- so 1914 shows up and this is supposed to be the end of the world. And, uh, and 1914 comes, 1914 goes. Yeah. What ends up happening is they end up saying, well, uh, what happened in 1914 was Jesus did come back. Now, some of the Christian audience are going to be like, what are you talking about? Jesus, yeah, second coming happened. Jesus came back. But it wasn't uh, visual. It, was, it wasn't uh, visible. Yeah. It was invisible. He came back because turns out his, his resurrection is spiritual. Yeah. So you didn't know, but Jesus already came back if you missed it, you know, yeah. um, which look at when I read Matthew 24, uh, no, we're not going to miss this. Okay. We're not going to miss Jesus second coming. It's not going to be like, Oh really? He came back. I hadn't heard. No, you're, you're going to hear. Okay. It is going to be trending on Twitter. Okay. Um, so G okay. So 1925. Okay. Lead up to 1925. They say the old Testament saints like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob yeah. are coming back to rule. Let's they bought houses for them in san diego okay like this is like they thought this was happening and they were you get old copies of watchtower and they're like 1925 it's coming it's coming 1925 comes and goes yeah abraham isaac and jacob nowhere to be seen did they ever say why san diego 
They no, they don't. Okay, I'm thinking. I'm, just I, I'm thinking. I mean, th this is. I mean, this is just me maybe being cynical, but uh, <laughs> I think somebody. I mean, someone had to live in those houses in San Diego, California, until they show right. They showed up, so the organization buys these houses. Yeah. Oh, Abraham's not here. Well, you know, I'll I'll yeah. live here until he shows up. You know that yeah. kind of thing. That makes sense. All right, so um, twenty five. Uh, then, then 75, uh, uh, 1975. And this was a big deal. A lot of J JWs left the organization because in 1975, it was like, this is the end of the world. Yeah. Okay. They did the 6,000 years from like James Usher's, um, chronology. I mean, and they, they somehow figured out this is when, this is, this is when, uh, 6,000 years later, this is when the end of the world's coming. Yeah. And it came, it came and went. And uh, so there has been numerous prophecies yeah. that have, have not come to pass, but not only prophecies, but false teaching. Mm -hmm. So the, the uh, watchtower, many are surprised to learn that they taught that um, Jesus was worshiped mm -hmm. up until about the forties, I think 1940s. And then they switched their tune and they said, no, no, Jesus wasn't worshiped. Mm -hmm. um, because he was worshiped. He, I mean, that means he was God. Um, or there's the, the teaching of the cross. Um, if they come to your door, you're going to notice that they don't talk about the cross of Christ. They talk about the torture stake. Yeah. They believe the cross is a pagan symbol. That's why you can't wear it. Okay. And so anyone who believes that Jesus died on a cross, I mean, that's just, you've been taught false teaching. Yeah. It turns out you go back to the watchtower on their, on their magazine. They had pictures of crosses. Yep. They taught that Jesus died on a cross. But again, here's where, so here's my question. Yeah. Again, this is Columbo style. <laughs> if your organization taught one thing is true and now teaches that very thing mm -hmm. is not true, what does that say about your organization? Yeah. And just let it sit there. Yeah. You're not going to convince your Jehovah's Witness friend or stranger at your door, okay, in one meeting. No. All you're doing is gardening. We'll keep coming back to this illustration. Yeah. You're just planting a seed. All you want, you want to put a stone in their shoe. You want them walking away from your house, having a, a good experience, right? Like you yeah. were friendly, you were yeah. nice. You want them to come back, but you also want them walking away thinking, wow, I didn't realize that they taught something. They taught the cross and now that's now it's pagan. Yeah. I didn't realize that they had this prophecy about 1975, but that didn't, that didn't happen. Yeah. And I want them to go to Google because, and they're not supposed to, they are taught. You only go to the organization again, red flag, red yeah. flag. There's a cult going on here. No in Christian churches. You can go anywhere to look up information. We are encouraged yeah. to, yes. <laughs> to seek the truth, uh -huh. not in, not in the watchtower. The watchtower has a website. You go there for your answers. Okay. You shouldn't Googling and reading, reading something like Ron Rhodes. It's a great book reasoning yeah. from the scriptures with Jehovah's witnesses. Reading this is like reading pornography for them, um, yeah. For them. Yeah. because they are, they, they'll say you can't go to the, this is false teaching. Stay away from oh. it. This is bad, bad, bad. No. Again, this is kind of like, this is psychological control. This is mind control. No. You could use the word brainwashing. Um, these guys are, this is how you keep the sheep, you know, believing everything you want them to believe yeah. instead by, by, by 
forcing them yeah. with pressure and fear to only look up. So that that's, I mean, we spent a lot of time there on, on the watchtower, but it's really important that people understand the organization that is running the entire show. Yeah. Uh, by the way, it's like, I think currently it's eight men that, um, that are the governing body. They're making the decisions. These are the people who are in charge yeah. of the watchtower and bringing, disseminating all the information. Okay. They're the, they're, I, I think that's grown, you know, to as much as, I don't know, 14 or 15, but, um, the governing body, they're the ones who, who make all these decisions on, on doctrine. Yeah, no, <clears throat> no doubt. And I think in the past they've been called the faithful and discreet slave and, yep. and, uh, there, there's no, you know, checks and balances for them. And again, very similar mm -hmm. to Mormonism and their, their LDS president, their quorum and, and things of that nature. You had made a mention that uh, in the past they had said, you know, in scripture, Jesus received worship and then they changed it. And mm -hmm. the reason why I have two of them is because this one is actually uh, revised as of 1961. Okay. This is a modern one. If we were to look at this one, it says, let the angels worship him. In the no movie. way. I believe it is. But in this one, the word worship was changed to a word I can't pronounce. It's something like obeisance or something. Yeah, like obeisance. That. That's right. Obeisance, which yeah. simply means to bow or give like reverence to. Totally yeah. different from worship. Yeah. So, but I think you might be getting into that uh, here in a little bit. But so yeah. all that on the first question, I have like 11 more. So <laughs> my time is your time, brother. But, okay. Uh, we'll try to be, we'll, we'll be quicker with some of these other ones. Like, you will. At, as you want to do it. That's okay, totally okay. fine. But uh, good. like I said, we're going to try to put timestamps in this video so that if you have particular questions, just click the timestamp. It'll take you right there. But okay, the New World Translation. Yeah. How was it started? How was it created? Okay. So this is this is interesting. Okay. Um, here's, here's a starting question. When your theology disagrees with the Bible, what do you do? Well, here's what the Watchtower did. They changed the Bible. Okay. When, so, so it's, there are, there are numerous passages in the Bible, especially the new Testament that, that affirm, for example, the deity of Christ. Okay. Right. They're, they're all over the place. So what does the watchtower do? Well, they need to, they need to change what the Bible says if they're going to be effective. Yeah. Okay. Now here's the, here's the problem that we face when they come to our door is you, you're, you're going to talk past them because they're working with a different Bible than you. Yeah. So when, and this is, this was my problem. Remember I mentioned, I went to John one, one having yeah. no clue that they changed John one, one. I mean, I was just a kind of a baby in this whole, I didn't understand any of this Jehovah's yeah. witness stuff. It was all new to me. Mm -hmm. And so I was surprised when I saw that. Okay. Well, what about Colossians, you know, one fifteen, or, you know, you're going to start hopping around to different verses yeah. and you're going to find out they have actually changed. They've mistranslated the text. Yeah. Here's some, just some background. So uh, the New World Translation, they published that in, uh, in 1950, around there. Mm -hmm. um, and they didn't put, and I can open up my cover here. Who are, the, who are the translators? You know, I'm looking here. Who, who's responsible? If I open my ESV, I can find out who the translators are. But when I open the Watchtower, it doesn't tell me who is responsible for this Bible. Well, it turns out, it turns out that 
they wanted to remain anonymous. Yep, and, I yep. and I know why. Well, it, I found out why. There's two ways we found out. One is in 1954, there was a trial in Scotland. <laughs> a Jehovah's Witness named Douglas Walsh. He um, was conscripted into the military. Now, what you need to know about Jehovah's Witnesses is they, they're pacifists. They do not, um, mm -hmm. they, they won't fight. And so they, they won't become police officers or in the military. So uh, he, he objected. He said, I, I'm not going to be in the military. No. Scotland, Scotland said, no, you're going to be in the military. He said, well, I, it's part of my religion. And it turned out in Scotland, there was an exemption of going to the military if you were a minister. Okay. So what they did was they had this trial to figure out is, does Douglas Walsh qualify as oh. a religious minister? Yeah. Okay. Now here's what's amazing. You can read the whole transcript. It's like 700 pages. Okay. Oh, wow. But I don't, so I don't recommend reading the whole thing, but there are sections of it. that are very informative for how this book came about. Mm -hmm. So the vice, the, at the time, the vice president of um, the watchtower, he shows up and he's going to testify on the stand. And his name right. is uh, Frederick, Fred Franz. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fred Franz is on the stand and he's asked, about the translation of their, of their Bible. Yeah. And he's asked, do you know Greek? Yes. Do you know Hebrew? Yes. Where'd you learn it? Well, it turned out he went to university. He went to college for a couple of years. He didn't actually graduate, um, but he had taken a course in, in Greek. Yeah. He had never taken Hebrew. He said that he learned it himself. Now here's what you need to know about Fred Franz. He was in charge. He was the overseer. He was checking the, that the translation was was done properly right so you would expect him to know the the languages that it was written in okay yep. well at at one point in the in the trial he's being cross-examined and the lawyer says okay here's uh genesis chapter 2 verse 4 can you translate this for us no and he says he's like no i won't do that now that was taken as an admission that he couldn't do it. This yeah. is something if, uh, if a, a Bible translator, this is, this is simple. This is easy. Okay. Yep. This is something that he should, this is some people call this, that this was the Hebrew truth test, you know, whether he knew Hebrew or not. And he didn't. Right. Now here's the thing, Fred Franz, he was the guy who knew the most about languages of the group. Yep. Now, where do we find out about the whole group? Cause even on the stand, the lawyer was asking, well, who translated the Bible then? He said, I, I won't tell you. Who translated? I won't tell you. They wanted to remain anonymous because he said, we're giving all the glory to God, right? And so we right. don't want to take any of that um, praise for ourselves for translating this because they were claiming it was the best translation ever. Okay? Yeah. Now, now uh, Fred Franz had an uncle, Raymond Franz. And Raymond Franz is the um uh is was a former governing body member as well yeah like i don't know if he was president or not but he was a, he was a member of the governing the body who was in charge well fred Fran uh raymond franz ends up leaving the jehovah's witnesses okay and writing a book called crisis of conscience and in the book he tells all okay yep. Like if, if this happened today, he'd be on Oprah. Okay. And just like given the whole, here's everything that happened, you know, here's the dirt on the J yeah. on the watchtower. Well, um, he ended up telling us who the five men were mm -hmm. who, um, 
were responsible for the translation and none of them were Greek or Hebrew scholars. In fact, they didn't even know Greek or Hebrew. This, uh, so, um, not only that, but, uh, even like portions of like Daniel and yeah. even in the new Testament, there's Aramaic that would need to be translated also. Yeah. You're completely right, but I'm sorry. Go on. No, no, this is, this is, this is, that's a good yeah. point. Look at, and this is something that your JW, um, uh, friend or stranger, whoever at the door mm-hmm. needs to, they need to know this too. And so maybe ask them, where do you think, who do you think translated this? Yeah. And, and, um, again, just to plant a seed. Now right. this is, I wouldn't put all my eggs in this basket, but it's just one of those questions, yeah. um, that you, that you want to ask. Okay. And so I could give the list. I mean, Fred Franz, he was the fourth president of the mm-hmm. watchtower, Nathan Knorr. He was a third president, Albert, uh, Schroeder, um, George Genghis, Milton, uh, Henschel. He was a fifth president. So these were the men who had limited or no knowledge of Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, and yet they're the ones who put out this translation, this again, mistranslation. Yeah. But here, I mean, here are just a couple of examples of how they mistranslate. Okay. okay. It, it is deceptive and maybe you'll have some too. Um, here's one that, uh, I, I've pointed out to my Jehovah's witness friends. Um, so for example, in Titus two thirteen. Okay. Titus 2.13, the New World Translation, says the glorious manifestation of the great God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, what's been mistranslated there is they make it seem like of the great God is one is referring to someone and of our Savior, Jesus Christ, is someone else. You have two. It's like that verse has two people in view, God and Savior, Jesus. Mm-hmm. but those who know Greek know that that is not what this is saying. They add the words of our in front of savior to mm-hmm. make it sound like it should be read of our great God and savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God and savior is mm-hmm. what the text is saying. So Titus is saying Jesus is God. He's not just God. He's savior and God. That's good. So that is again, very subtle. But a Jehovah's Witness who reads the of our that are inserted in there, who are that's not in the language, it's not yeah. in the Greek, are going to say, oh, okay, it's two people. It's obvious. Yeah. Great God and of our Savior. This They do the same thing in 2 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. Here's an, uh, uh, let me get my Bible out here. Yeah. Because this, this is a good one if you want to do it as an exercise with your, um, with your JWs. Cause they only, it's so, it's so interesting. They do this. Okay. So I take them to, and maybe you've done this too. Second Peter one, one Simon, Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and savior, Jesus Christ. Now God and savior there that's referring to Jesus Christ. He is our God and savior. That's Jesus being God. But what they say is of our God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. They make the one into two. But notice this. If you drop down to verse 11, verse 11, for in this way, there will be richly provided for you an, an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing about the NWT. 
where it says end of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They don't put end of our Lord and of our Savior. No, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Mm, mm. But in the in the verse one, they put our God and of our Savior Jesus. So what are they doing? And it'd be easy if I had slides and stuff, it'd be so much easier to show this. What they're saying is Jesus can be our Lord and Savior, verse 11, but he can't be our God and Savior. Mm. So, so what do they do? They add the words and of our, of our Savior, yeah. Jesus Christ. Those two, those two um, verses, verse one and verse 11, that grammatical construction in the Greek is identical. You're just taking away the word God and putting Lord. But notice what they do. This is where, and I want people to get this, the NWT, the New World Translation, is not tr a translation. It is an interpretation. What I mean by that is they're not just trying to figure out what the words mean. That's what a translator does. Yeah. What they try to do is tell you how to interpret this. Mm -hmm. So let's add some words. Look at people are going to get confused on verse one. They're going to think Jesus is God here. So yeah. what do we do? Let's add a couple words to make sure people don't misunderstand this. No. Make sure they get our theology. Um, and we could, I mean, there's so many examples of this. I don't know if you have any. Um, no, I think you're good. I mean, there's plenty. Of, that might be a good red pen logic episode. I know it's not really in the niche, but. Uh, you know what? We just did. Um, we're going to start doing uh, yeah. Watchtower Wednesdays. Really? And you, you got to see the last graphic we did. Yeah. It was on the deity of Christ. Uh -huh. All I did was I went to, I got their app. Uh -huh. And I type in the question, is Jesus God? And yeah. it says, is Jesus almighty God? I screenshotted it uh -huh. and we went to town and it got, I, I thought there's no way people aren't really into this, right? Cause it's kind oh. of a, it's Jehovah's witness. Yeah. It turns out, I think most people have had them come to the door, experienced what I experienced, just, you know, not knowing what to say. Yeah. It was, it's been shared like 900 times or something. It was, it's had like 1400 likes in 24 hours. Amen. So <laughs> So we're going to do, we're going to do Watchtower Wednesday nice. and for sure we're tackling all these issues. Okay. Um, here's another thing that you need to know. I know again, we're going long again. They've, <laughs> added, they've, they've, yeah, they've added the word Jehovah in the new Testament where it doesn't exist. See, they call my Bible a Lord Bible. This is a Lord Bible because it, it has the word Lord mm -hmm. in the new Testament. When, where it should say, they think, Jehovah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But this is, again, this, and this is maybe a, a bigger deal, but you, the, famous, the famous verse, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you right. will be saved. This is, this is Romans 10, verse 9. Paul makes a very specific argument there, right? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, kurios, that's right. Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Mm -hmm. And then it goes on to say, for with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. For scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord, the same Kyrios, is Lord, Kyrios, of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. The same Lord is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Kyrios. Right. Same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches, the Lord who call on him. And then it quotes, it quotes the old Testament. 
for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, here's what Paul's doing. Paul's saying, Jesus is Lord. There's only one Lord. He's Lord of all. And that Lord bestows riches. He saves all who call on him. Here's how I back it up. I cite Joel from the Old Testament. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, Kyrios, will be saved. Here's what Jehovah's Witnesses do. They take that last, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, they put in Jehovah. Yep. So here is, here again, a deliberate distortion. The Greek manuscripts don't say Jehovah. They say Lord. And that's because Paul is saying, Lord, Jesus is Lord. You got to call on him if you want to be saved. Jehovah's Witnesses believe you got to call on Jehovah to be saved. So they have to change the Bible. This is deceitful. No. This is intentional. They are, they are trying to change the text so that people don't understand what Paul's actually saying. Yeah. And that book you mentioned, Crisis in Conscience, is a very enlightening, eye-opening book too, because it really reveals the really the damning fact that they didn't know the original language and the manuscripts. And again, like you said, what happens when your theology doesn't fit the Bible is you change the Bible. And that's one of the things that... So John 1, 1, you mentioned yeah. John 1, 1 is it's the one verse that 99.9% of the people that are not Jehovah's witness know how it's translated according yeah. to the new world translation. Could you explain what that is and where do they get the idea that the word was a God as opposed to the word was God? Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's keep this one pretty simple. I mean, we could get into the weeds and I, I want to make, make sure everyone understands. I'm not like a Greek scholar. Um, I had, I have some friends who know Greek. And so I go to them when I have my questions. Yeah. Um, and, uh, if I w went back to school, got a theology degree, my <laughs> master's degree is in philosophy, okay. but I would love to go back and, and learn some of this stuff. So, yeah. um, this again, I'm not an expert, but here's what you need to know, by the way, strategically, if they came to my door, I wouldn't even bring this one up. Mm -hmm. They in their sleep, they can respond to the John one, one stuff. Okay. Yeah. Usually. Now here's, here's what, here's, um, here's their rationale. Okay. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was a God. And here's the rationale for translating it that way. There is no definite article on, uh, that last God, the word was God. So because there's no hot theos, it's just theos. They say, Hey, if there's no definite article like the, the God, no, it's, it's just, it's just a generic God. It's yeah. just a God quality maybe. Um, and so, and so that's, that's one rationale. Another is, well, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. So how the word can't be God. If the word is with, right. <laughs> how can, yeah. how can one person, this is how they would think. Yeah. This, this misunderstands, uh, trinitarian yeah. theology but they would say how can look at i'm a person you're a person we can't be the same person you're if i'm with you i'm not you uh, right but that assumes unitarianism which is the idea that god is just one person right but if you have if you believe what the bible teaches which is that there are three persons who mm -hmm. are all god one being three God, uh, three okay. persons. Three persons. Yeah, we've got to make sure that's clear because there's no contradiction there. Um, so that that's kind of a second a second um, rationale. Mm -hmm. um, and 
And so let's just let's just answer those two. The 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 first one is actually really easy to respond to okay. because there's no hard and fast rule. Just because there's no definite article on the word theos, uh-huh. I mean, their rule is, their rule is, look, at every time it's referred to as Jehovah, it's always definite article God. Jesus is never referred to, they'll say, as a ha theos, mm-hmm. as the God. It's always just theos, no definite uh-huh. article. Both of those claims are mistaken. You can show them in their own translation. If you go to John, okay, same chapter, John chapter one, hop down to John chapter one, verse six, Yeah. right? Verse six says that uh, there was a man sent from Theos, God. Now they believe that's Jehovah. There's a man sent from Jehovah, but there's no hot Theos. There's no definite article. So they violate, so they violate their own rule there, right? It's like, okay, um, you just told me that if it's no definite article, it's just a God. So why don't they say there was a man sent from a God? True. No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now that's one side of it. The other side is Jesus is referred to as Hotheos. If you go to the end of John's gospel, John chapter 20, verse 28, you have this famous passage where Thomas meets the risen Christ and he answers him. This is really important. Thomas answers him. He's referring to Jesus, my Lord, curious and my God, which is Hotheos. in that. If you understood, if you knew the Greek, there's the definite article he's and Jehovah's witness want to say, Oh, he's, he turned to Jesus and said, my Lord, and then looked up and said, no, he, he answered him. He's answering. This is, I mean, this is clear. So on both counts where they want to say the definite article, it's not there. Therefore it's a God. Well, you don't even follow your own rule five verses later. Yep. And Jesus never referred to as hot theos. Actually he is a few times. That's just one that I gave. Um, And then of course the second objection or rationale they gave, which is there's two, how can you be with someone and be that person? Well, we would say they're not the same person, right? They're two different persons. We agree, but Mm -hmm. they're the same God. And that's what the, that's what Trinitarian theology teaches. So that's how I would respond. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Yeah. If, uh, if any of y'all want to get geeky in the Greek, I do have a video out there. Matter of fact, I have two videos going over John one, one, one of them's looking at the Joseph Smith translation and how they actually interpret John 1.1. 1, 1. And then I have a second one that's Jehovah's Witness, and it's only dealing with the Greek aspect of it. And, and like you were saying, you know, the hot theos and, and theon and how it's used within that particular verse. Yeah. Anybody that knows basic Greek can understand why. Uh, that definite article is in fact missing in the manuscript, yeah. but how we can know it is actually translated correctly in the English based upon rules within Greek grammar and syntax. And so go ahead, check that video out. But yeah, I didn't know about the other one where, where they were bringing up just the, their own reasoning and assuming, uh, uh, what was it? The Unitar- oneness of God. Yeah. yeah Unitarianism. You- so being with God is one of those things where, again, sometimes, we just 
can't fully grasp a clear concept. The Trinity, we, we've heard it, you know, father, son, husband type deal, things like that. And yeah. uh, we try to fully grasp it. We know that scripture clearly teaches it. Matter of fact, we're going to look at the spirit as a third person here in a little bit, because in the New World Translation, it's sort of like jumbled up, if, if you will. But yeah, uh, so you alluded to this a little earlier, and I want to jump back into it. Sure. Uh, the Jehovah's Witness seem to preach a different gospel. A works-based yeah. gospel. According to their theology, how does one receive eternal life? So if you if you want to have eternal life according to what the Bible really teaches. Now, I mean, really, not yes. like what, not their book. Okay. Um, it, I mean, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 are pretty clear on this. You know, it's by grace you have been saved through faith. Right. It's not of your own doing. It's a gift. It's a gift of God. Okay. Not the result of works so that no one can boast or you have Romans eleven six. If it is by grace, this is the dichotomy. If it's by grace, it is no longer the basis of works. Okay. Otherwise grace would no longer be grace. So grace and works are two different things. Yeah. But here's where the Jehovah's witness goes awry. Okay. Because they redefine grace as an opportunity to earn your salvation. See, and you make a very big point, good point there. Uh, yeah. One of the very first rules in apologetics is defining your terms. Mm -hmm. uh, and so one of the things is right off the bat, we got to understand vernacular. What do yeah. they mean? Columbo tactic, like you said, mm -hmm. what do you mean by that? Yeah. You know? So you mentioned they redefine grace in a opportunity to earn favor. So how do they actually through their grace, if you will, yeah. get eternal life? Yeah. So th there's going to be a number of things. You're going to have to be a part of the Watchtower organization. Uh -huh. You can't be saved and not be a part of the organization. Okay. okay. That's convenient. You have to follow all their rules. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is down to like the birthday blood transfusion. I mean, there's all these rules that start to come along the way that, that Jehovah's witness have come up with. You got to follow them all. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, of course you have to, uh, you have to believe all the, the doctrines, the, the essential doctrines. Okay. Um, so these are, so here's, so it, and of course, uh, you have to go door to door. Yeah. You have to, so if you were to go to John three 16, mm -hmm. this is where, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear in John three 16 of the new world translation. Everybody knows John three 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Mm -hmm. They change. Okay. Whoever believes they change that too. So that everyone who exercises faith in him, it's not just put in your faith. What does it mean? And I asked the Jehovah's witness about what does it mean to exercise your faith when they were at my door? What does that yeah, mean? Good question. And the, the, and what they mean by that is exactly what they were doing. That he said, I'm exercising my faith right here at your door. So it was following, it was doing all the things that Jehovah's Witness, that the Watchtower organization tells them to do. That is works. Yeah. And he had no confidence in his salvation. This was another aspect of it because it is based on works. It's not justified by faith. Look at Romans 8, verse 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. You want to know what the watchtower does? They take out the word now. 
there's the word now is not in their translation. Yeah. That's why, again, this is, this goes back to the last thing we, the question we looked at with the watchtower, I mean, with the new world translation, a Jehovah's witness who reads just their by their translation, mistranslation doesn't know these truths about yeah, being yeah. saved right now. No condemnation. Well, because they had, they got to earn it. They got to exercise it. And that's how you keep these people going door to door every single week. Um, because if you stop tomorrow, that means you're, you're not, you're not there. You, you, you aren't getting there. You aren't saved. Right. Um, so obey the watchtowers rules, publish the watchtowers magazines door to door. You know, I was looking something up. You had made mention in a, one of the verses that I take comfort in for eternal security and the assurance is found in the book of Ephesians chapter one. Yeah. Where, uh, and I'm strictly reading out of the new world translation. And it says that we should be in chapter one, verse 12, we should serve for the praise of his glory that we who have been first to hope in Christ, but you also hoped in him after you heard the word of truth, the good news about your salvation by means of him also, after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit, which is token in advance of our inheritance. And so even in the New World Translation, it seems like they have some sort of view that once, according to their theologists right in here, once you believe you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, and that's an advanced token in that unless you were to, you know, uh, disobey, then the spirit would leave you, whatever the case is, you have it at that moment. And so it's just one of those, it seems like one of those contradictions within their own writings yep. that you have to exercise, but yet, whoa, wait, it says right here, we can have assurance of salvation, but not according to their theology, according to the theology of God. And so it's just, it's interesting. I was curious when you brought that up, I wanted to go there real quick. And so are, are they the, the view that they can never be sure of their salvation really until the end. If they've exercised enough, is that what they're doing or is there yeah. any, do they look at their works and be like, okay, I know I'm exercising my faith. So I have it. Do well, I know? think, I think it might be both They're uh -huh. there. He's at my door. He's saying, look it, I'm doing this. I'm, but he doesn't know that he's going to persevere to the end. And so um, it really comes, it comes down to the judgment where he'll find out if he earned okay. his way in. Okay. Um, I mean, it, like here, here's, this is a, a quote from Watchtower. To get one's name written in the book of life will depend upon one's works. I mean, they don't even try to hide it. You yeah. know, it's, yeah. it's really, really clear. To receive everlasting life in the earthly paradise, we'll talk about what that is, we must identify that organization and serve God as part of it. No. So these are, I mean, these are additional things. Whenever you have gospel plus works, yeah, you're no longer talking about the gospel that Jesus and, and the, the apostles preached. Oh, foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you that you have begun in the spirit that you've made, made perfect by the flesh. Yeah. You know, it, it's a similar thing with the Gnosticism that was going on in the day. You made mention that uh, they deny the deity of Jesus Christ. And from my understanding, they actually see Jesus as Michael, the archangel. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a few verses that uh, 
that's really well known as far as their circles and the deity of Christ. I'd like to ask you about Colossians 115. Could you uh, explain these views, their views, the biblical view as well, and how do they speak of the deity of Christ? Colossians 115, where Paul says that Jesus, and they love this one, Jesus is the firstborn yeah. of every creation. Firstborn means he had to have been created, right? What's going born. on here? Yeah. So this is this is a strategic move that the Watchtower uh, do. Okay. So you yeah. might bring up a passage that says Jesus is God. Yeah. You know, Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Rather than deal with the passage that you just brought up, what they do is they immediately jump to these verses that they have memorized yeah. that, that seem, I mean, on their view, to indicate that Jesus is not God. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's how they're, they're fighting your text with different, rather than let's get down to the bottom of whatever this text is saying. Yeah. I'm just going to jump here. And then before I even get the context of that passage, I'm going to jump here and here. And that's why they're so effective with, yeah. with their, with their strategy, because you, it's hard to pin them down. So they, they'll first, I mean, yeah, you're right. Colossians 1 15. He's see firstborn of creation. Um, that's case closed. Yeah. And what I would say is, well, again, Columbo style. And you guys, if you're watching this, we got, a, there's a whole video with Greg, right. On the, on tactics. So um, you, you can watch that and get up to speed or read the book. There you go. So what do, uh, my question is, what does it mean by firstborn? He's the firstborn of all creation. They take it to mean he's the first created. Okay. Mm -hmm. But that's not what the, that's not what the Greek says. Mm -hmm. It says he's the firstborn. So when you read the context and we, we won't get into all that right this second, mm -hmm. but um it's clear that the firstborn is not mean the first, like born from a womb. It's right. talking about, it's using an expression that was used by um, Hebrews uh, to mean that you are the first in rank or preeminence. For example, in Psalm um, 89, okay, David is being described and it says this, and I will make him the firstborn the highest of the kings of the earth. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you make someone first born? You know, it don't have to be born. No, it's because he's making him the first in rank among yeah. the kings of the earth. David was physically, just kind of a point of information, he was a, physically the last born in his family, not the firstborn. Yeah. Okay. So, and yet he's called the firstborn. Is that a contradiction? So you might want to take them there and say, what does it mean to be the firstborn? Well, this is a common way to, to describe someone being first in rank. Now you said Psalm, what was that? Because I'm curious about their, their book. Psalm 89, verse 27. Psalm 89, 27. Because one thing I love to do is I like to use their, their books to if go ahead can. and pull stuff out. Yeah. 89, yeah. 27. Okay. Also, I myself shall place him as firstborn, the most high of the king of the earth. Okay. There you go. So yeah, just taken back there. If if that can't be the case for that, so it's the same thing. Preeminence, chief. That's so, right. and and when you read the and this, so the first point is firstborn doesn't mean what they think it means. <clears throat> it means first in rank. But when you read the context, this is Jesus being described as the creator of all things, invisible, visible, right. um, thrones. I mean, it just goes through this list to say he made everything right now, the, the, now 
it might not be fruitful to go this route just because uh -huh. they add the word all other things. Right. It used to be in brackets. I, maybe your older version has uh, other things in brackets, the word other, but now they got rid of the brackets. It just basically says straight up that, that Jesus it made does. all other things. Is it in brackets? Yep, in the 1961 version, it's in brackets. And if you were to go to, I got the 2013, I think here. And, um, and again, the importance of this to have the different translations this is to show how it's evolving. The theology is evolving within the organization. Yeah. So, yeah, here it is. No brackets, all other things being created through him. Yeah. Because look at, you can't have Jesus being um, uncreated. Right. And yet that's what John 1 verse three says that's what that's what this text is saying is is jesus is uncreated he is the uncreated creator which is god um but it look at if you were to go to verse 19 in him jesus all the fullness of god was pleased to dwell <laughs> colossians 2 9 in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily yep colossians 1 and 2 are clearly talking about jesus being the uncreated creator who, I mean, yeah. God, he is God in the flesh. And to, for someone to say, ah, but no, he was, he's just a created being like the yeah. Archangel Michael um, makes no sense. Okay. So that one's that one, that one we took care of. John 3, 16. Yeah. John 3, 16. Yep. Begotten only, of the father. Yep. Yeah. Wonder he's only, only begotten yeah. again. This see the problem with some of these things is it trades on some Greek words. Okay. So the, the firstborn, what does that mean? What does that expression mean? Right. Um, in this case, the Greek word for begotten is, uh, or only begotten is monogenes. Mm -hmm. And that word again, um, it, what does it mean? Well, it can mean begotten, like physically begotten. That's true. But when it can also be used and it, ha it is used in scripture to mm -hmm. mean, um, to emphasize a, uh, relationship rather than a physical begetting. Okay. Right. So like a one of a kind kind of relationship, a unique relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of translations will say, um, uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that who his only son or one and only son. Yeah. Instead of begotten, because that gets the point it's unique. And what I would do is take them to Hebrews, uh, chapter 11, verse 17. Yep. And it says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried or tested, offered up Isaac. And, and, and here's what it says. So Isaac, we remember this song, Isaac and, and Esau, and uh, sorry, Isaac and uh, Ishmael. Yep. Yep. And uh, he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, Monogenes. Wait a second. Isaac isn't Abraham's only begotten yep. son. He had, I mean, we, we know of Ishmael. Yeah. So what is happening there? Well, obviously because of Isaac being in the lineage uh, of Christ being the son of promise, this is um, a unique relationship. It mm. is a one of a kind. It is, it, it, this is the, the, the um, connotation of the word, mm -hmm. right? They don't understand that. They just take it to mean, look, no, he's, he's begotten physically. Yeah, no, that I'm so glad you went to that because, yeah, I mean, see, as clear as day in scripture as far as Isaac and, you know, anybody familiar with the story of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael is Ishmael was 
14 years older or so than Isaac. Yeah. And, uh, so that can't be Abraham's only. But what about, here's one that they love, John 14, 28, uh, where Jesus, Jesus's own words says yeah. that the father is greater than him. Not better, but greater. Yeah. So again, this is, um, this is, Again, what do you mean by that kind of question is really yep. important. What do we mean by greater? Greater in being, um, greater in nature, or is there because that's what they want to mean. They want to mean like, here's the being Jehovah God. Here's Jesus. He's a great, Je Jehovah is a greater being. Yeah. Is that what they mean? Well, I don't think so. I think what, what Jesus is getting at has to do with his role or his office. So he, it, there is a sense in which, yes, the, the father is greater than the son in his office and his, and his role. Mm -hmm. But that right. doesn't mean that doesn't, that does not mean that they're, he's greater in nature, um, right. but they have a different right. nature. And this, I mean, and you can, sh you can show this by way of analogy with um, a husband and a wife. Look at, uh, Jehovah's witness agree that the husband is the head of the house. Yeah. And you could, so you could, you could, you could say he has a greater role. You know, the yeah. husband is greater than the wife. You could say, yeah. but that you wouldn't be saying that the husband is greater in being like he, uh, is more valuable or something like that. No, right. you're just saying they have a different office. They have a different role as far as the marriage is concerned. And mm -hmm. uh, this is biblically speaking. And yet they do share the same nature. Mm -hmm. So I would say that father and son share the same nature, um, but they, uh, they obviously share different roles. The, the father doesn't die on the cross. Right. Mm -hmm. The son dies on the cross, right? Um, so there's, yep. there's, there's different um, roles that are involved in, in, in that. So that might be helpful. Again, you could go yep. back to the, the context of what's going on there. Yeah, I, I, I liken it to the fact of like the Trinity is also a, a set of hierarchy, if you will. In the fact that in John chapter 14, when Jesus says when he goes, he'll send the comforter. And we yeah. talk about sending the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say that the Holy Spirit's going to speak of the Father. He says the Holy Spirit's going to speak of him. Yeah. And so the Spirit speaks of Jesus and Jesus points to the Father. It, it's in a uh, hierarchical, if you will, structure just within the Trinity. And I think that's yeah. what the home is, like you pointed out as well, where the husband and the wife, the husband's not better. <laughs> if anything, most of the time, the women are better than the husbands, but it, it, it's just a duly appointed organizational structure, like in the military. I, I retired from the military and, and we had our commanders. They obviously were greater than like us little piddly enlisted folks. And uh, so they weren't better. They were just greater yeah. uh, in, in the authority hierarchy, if well. But the only difference, again, that's a loose analogy because the Trinity, the same distinct distinct beings, the same you know essence, if you will, and and uh, we'll fully understand it once we get there. But Scripture is clear as day on it. You could probably talk circles around me as far as the Trinity is concerned. Well, you but, just brought up a really good point about there being a that's that hierarchy. And I think that's appropriate. I mean, look at yeah. the sun when, when the sun walked the earth, mm -hmm. right? When Jesus walked the earth, he was completely dependent on the father. Yeah. And this is going to, I mean, this is going to get to the next question. I answer the, the next um, challenge too, that you got for me with uh -huh. the, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Yeah, you can go How, there whenever you want. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think because it's a similar response. Yeah. There's there's a sense because what they're going to say is, how can God turn to God and say, my God, like what, that doesn't make any sense. How can Jesus be God if he has a God, my God, my God, right? Why have you forsaken me? Well, I think there's something similar going on here. Jesus was completely dependent on the father as his, and, and, and because Jesus remember, isn't just, isn't merely God. Jesus is fully human and fully God. And as a full, as being truly human, he, just like you and I, he ate and slept and all those things. And he relied on God. That is what a human does. And so there, I get it. There's mystery around this. I mean, it's, it it is kind of strange to think about, but, um, there, I don't think there's anything wrong with Jesus being a full human saying, my God, you know, I'm doing what any human would do crying out to, to God. So, um, I don't think this undermines at all. If you understand the incarnation and you understand the Trinity, which are both taught in the corpus of scripture, taking scripture as a whole, Mm -hmm. you can make sense of these verses. Yeah. Corpus. I love that word. (laughs) There you go. I'm glad you brought up the hypostatic union in the fact of Jesus being fully, uh, fully man as well, because I don't know. Do you watch the show, the chosen? I've seen, yeah, I haven't gotten to second season. Okay, well, and the, don't, don't spoil it. Well, I'm just going to say no, one little can. part. One sure, little sure. Part, go for it. Yeah, yeah. I've always wondered, me and the guys here always wondered, you know, did Jesus crack jokes? You know, if he was fully human and he was around the guys, sure. you know, he probably cracked a little bit of jokes, things like that. Yeah. Well, there's a part in the first uh, episode of the second season, not really spoiling anything. Okay. But they stay at this individual's house and... And the guy's like, well, I only have X amount of rooms and, and one of them's haunted by my dead grandmother. And Jesus is like, Ooh, I'll take that one. <laughs> you know, and it's, I wonder if Jesus ever had you know, something like that, but. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. So, but I'm good. sure. I'm sure I, we get this image of God, you know, sort of, like of Jesus. Yeah. 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 Where he just walked. Yeah. He had like the, th- the orange monk thing on and yeah. he just, um, but he would have interacted. He, you know, he grew, and yeah. you know, and and just like the rest of us, and um, yeah, it's. It, I think we we don't often get a good picture of what Jesus would have been like. No, because um, we we kind of have this ideal I, in our mind yeah. of what he he needs to be. He can't be joking, you know. <laughs> yeah, I've always wondered that. But so yeah. we we're, we're on the topic of the Trinity, so it'd be a good time to ask the question about. The Holy Spirit. Now, uh, as a Trinitarian, sure. we'd look at the Holy Spirit as being the third person of the Trinity. Yeah, uh, they don't. What do they believe the Holy Spirit actually is in their theology? Yeah, this was a surprise to me. I mean, as someone who didn't know about the J- the JWs, the Watchtower organization, uh-huh. I thought, okay, everyone believes the Holy Spirit's a person. I mean, this is just no. Right. They they believe that uh, the the Holy Spirit is a impersonal force active force okay mm-hmm. um and so when in their translation and now they have to make this is this is the tricky part again yeah you gotta hide the truth okay i mean that's not how they're thinking i don't think yeah I, but that's what they're doing they're hiding the truth and so mm-hmm. every time uh holy spirit shows up they they don't say the holy spirit they'll typically just say holy spirit when they were when 
instead of using uh, personal pronouns, they'll mm-hmm. they'll use the word it, like okay. a, like like the spirit, like gravity is an it. I wouldn't yeah. say he referring to gravity or electricity. Uh-huh. Um, so the question is, is if you're if you're a Trinitarian, um, that is, you believe Jesus, you believe the Holy Spirit is is a person of the Trinity. How mm-hmm. do you show that it's a person? How do you show that it's a God? Uh, that it's God. Um, well, here's here's how you do it. Hold, the Holy Spirit is a person because the Holy Spirit has personal attributes. Okay. The three I use with the Jehovah's Witnesses are it had. I keep saying it, but holy the Holy Spirit. He has a will, has a mind, and has emotions. Okay. So here are just three quick passages. The Holy Spirit has a will. If you go to 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 11. Now their translation is going to say it a little differently, but here's what it says. It's talking about spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit gives out gifts. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills mm-hmm. look at this is really important because gravity doesn't have a will electricity right. doesn't have a will forces i i mean i'm a phys, i took my undergrad degrees in physics we don't talk about forces like having decisions and wills yeah but here is as he wills now they have to put as it wills yeah like as it this force wills but the point is impersonal forces don't have a will right and that word will is used with persons. Okay. No. The second one is the Holy Spirit has a mind. This is Romans eight and Romans eight mm. says um, that likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself and that himself is important uh, intercedes <laughs> for us with groanings too deep for words. And this is the important part. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the mm-hmm. spirit? Now they have to, again, take that out. God take mind out because yeah. how can you have an impersonal force that has a mind? Yeah. No, persons have minds. So again, mind, yep. and then finally emotions. And this is a classic one, Ephesians chapter four, verse 30. Yeah. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. How do you grieve an impersonal force? No, grief is an emotion that yeah. persons have. So um, it, it seems clear. I mean, we could go through dozens of these kind of things. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Ephesians one too, because uh, yeah, that's that's cl- you can't go out if I go kick a rock. You know, being deployed to the desert, I've kicked rocks along a lot of times. Sure, uh, I I don't sense any sort of grief. You know, they're not <laughs> yeah. grief stricken. Go see a therapist or anything like that. Yeah, so, you know, but yeah, those were very enlightening. You know, volition, emotion. Yeah. yeah. And, and just so you know, I mean, as pushback, mm-hmm. what they'll say, and this is what happened to me. Yeah. I'm thinking, where do you go? So what they won't want to, they don't want to fight. Um, they don't want to argue in terms of those verses because okay. those are hard to get around and their versions has, has it changed. So it's right. hard to kind of get credibility there because they don't, they, they believe our version, our Bible is corrupt. Yeah. Right. Not theirs. But what they'll say is, well, the Holy spirit, is just a personification. The reason they use those terms is because it's a personification. Hmm. So a personification is where you take something that's not a person, but you make it sound like a person. Mm-hmm. So in the book of uh, Pro- in, in Proverbs, 
wisdom is personified. Wisdom yeah. calls out in the streets, this kind of thing. Um, the reason that's not appropriate is like Acts 13, verse 2. Acts 13, verse 2. This is what it says. So you have you have a meeting at the church in Antioch, okay? And the Holy Spirit says, okay, the Holy Spirit is about to talk. <laughs> that is something people do, not forces. Yeah. yeah. So Acts, Acts 13, verse 2. Set apart for me. This is the Holy Spirit talking. Oh, set, yeah. apart, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Hmm. The Holy Spirit is actually using personal pronouns of himself, right? Set apart for me, the Holy Spirit says. Yeah. Forces don't say set apart for me. This is not a personification. This is an actual conversation. Yeah. Right? Um, so, so they don't, um, that's not right. They say someone can't be filled with a person. Look at you Christians. You're filled with a force, not a person. Yeah. How are you filled with a person? And in response, you could say, well, do you believe in unclean spirits? Right. And those are personal entities. Yeah, that's true. So you can be filled with this. You can be filled with a person. That's good. And, and then the final one is they'll say, well, the Holy Spirit doesn't have a name. See, they are big on the name, right? You got to say the name Jehovah or you're not talking to God. Yeah. Um, and so what's the Holy Spirit's name? Doesn't have a name, not a person. Well, again, this is sloppy reasoning too. We're going to red pen all this stuff. You yeah, know? there you um, go, giving you content. Uh, the the Holy Spirit, um, what's interesting about the Holy Spirit is that the, the word there, holy, is describing the chief attribute of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's important because holiness is a personal thing too, yeah. right? Um, so like an unclean spirit, why are they called? They're not named, but they're still persons but they're described by kind of like their chief characteristic, which is that they're unclean or they're sure, wicked, yeah. wicked yeah. spirit. So, or an evil spirit. So those aren't named necessarily either, or we're not told the names of some of these unclean spirits that are cast yeah. out yet. We still believe they're persons. So all, none of these arguments work. See, we, we could say so much more, but we'll, so you've made me mark up the New World Translation a couple of times. You've given me some stuff to put in my toolkit because I was going back to the account of Sapphira Ananias in Acts chapter oh, 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good one. That's one of the key ones where we Trinitarians look at to say, no, the Holy Spirit does have attributes of uh, personhood because Peter says clear as day, you've lied to the Spirit, and then he equates them with God. Yeah. And even in the New World Translation, the most recent version yeah. is, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan emboldened you to play false to the Holy Spirit? And so how can you play false or lie yeah. to a force or to an inanimate object, if you will, non-person entity? So again, there's, there's a lot we can pull out of the New World Translation that even contradicts within their own theology because... You can't pull all of the truth out of it. I mean, you just can't. Yeah. So, but that's. I'm glad you brought up Acts uh, five because mm-hmm. that that covers two bases. Can't lie to the whole yep. to a, a force, yep. and the Holy Spirit is called God. That's both. That's yeah. that gets you the third person of the Trinity right there in in one text. But I'm glad you read it too because, let's be honest, when you read the New World Translation. Mm-hmm. It is so wooden. Play false instead of just using the word lie. Yeah. Look at I consider Greg Kokel, 
He's a mentor of mine. Mm-hmm. He's been teaching me to write better. Um, right. We often will get together um, Zoom calls like this and just talk about writing and s- the skill of writing and so on. Uh-huh. I think uh, the book Tactics, Story of Reality, they're just brilliantly written. Yeah. This right here um, is, is so, I want to say garbage. It is so poorly written. Yeah. Um, you can't, like even to, even to read through sentences, full sentences is hard to do because you're like, what are they? It's like they opened a thesaurus and this is what I think happened. Now this is just call this Tim Barnett's theory. Okay. Just call it Tim Barnett's theory. I can't back this up, but how did people who know nothing about the Greek and Hebrew language come up with their own translation? Tell you how they did it. Okay. My suspicion, they opened up a whole bunch of other translations they got the King James, you got whatever's available at the time. Okay. Uh-huh. And then you start looking. Okay. And then you have your thesaurus open <laughs> and it says lied. Okay. What is another word for lie? Yeah. Play false. Well, that's weird, but let's use it. Who says, I mean, who talks that way? Play false, but notice what's kind of hidden there. When you say you lied to the spirit, mm-hmm. well, man, I understand what that means. It sounds like, cause I can lie to my wife. I can lie to my kids. I lie to persons. Yeah. I don't lie to my desk. I don't lie to my car. I don't know. No, I've, lied, I've lied to a couple rocks in the desert before. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, so, yeah, no, but you can't like those, those are like, that is something that yeah. makes no sense. And yet, so with play false. Well, now when you read that, you just kind of skip over those words because you don't even know true. what they're talking about, right? Um, and I think that's one way the Watchtower has been sneaky here. They've translated the Bible in such a way that you can't even read it um, without being really confused. The only thing I can think of, and I'm trying to Google it right now, is maybe there was a, uh, maybe there was a kid's game back in the day that was called FOSS. You know, and but even still, that that negates their view because now you're playing a game with the spirit. I don't know. You have Mr. B's theory. I got I got Mr. Yeah, B's theory. Sure. Yeah. So I don't know, but sure, sure, sure. A little bit of my cynical side, but I got to stop. But so I remember clear as day. Me and my wife were sitting outside talking to a couple of Jehovah Witness ladies, and uh, and we got on the subject of 144,000. Uh, witnesses mm-hmm. and uh it's quite interesting but what do they believe about the 144,000 witnesses according to their theology what does scripture reveal and uh can you just elaborate on that a bit sure so the 144,000 that is a reference that number comes out of revelation um really two passages revelation 7 and revelation 14 okay mm-hmm. um they believe, and they built a whole theology around this. And it's, yeah. it, I mean, again, it's very strange how they've even connected these dots, but they've taken the 144,000 and said, look it, there are, they call them the anointed class. Okay. There are 144,000 that will be raised just like Jesus was raised. But the way they think Jesus was raised was spiritually. So 144,000 since Christ, since the apostles till, till, 1935, essentially, they kind of closed the door because oh. you, you got to have reached 144,000 by I this did. point, yeah. right? I mean, we just, we mentioned at the beginning over 8 million, they claim Jehovah's witnesses, 
alive today. Now, most of those, mm -hmm. probably nearly all of them, mm -hmm. are not a part of the 144,000. Okay. Okay. Uh, the last ones were born, they say, because they got some special revelation. Okay. Um, before 1935. Mm. So the, they're the anointed class. Their their hope, their destination is a heavenly hope. It's a it's a heavenly destination. It's eternal mm -hmm. life. The rest, well, you're thinking, what happens to the rest of us, right? Yeah. Well, they have uh, the rest of Jehovah's Witnesses are going to spend eternity on uh, the earth. They call that the, the earthly hope, okay? An okay. earthly paradise. So you got these two classes, um, the anointed class, and then what they call the other sheep or um, just this, this, this other group. Okay. And that, this other group includes the Old Testament saints, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm -hmm. um, they would be a part of that. Now, here's, here's something that was news to me. I mean, start learning about 144,000. It's like, okay. Um, it turns out that the 144,000 mm -hmm. are all the most of the blessings in the New Testament, those who are born again, those who are adopted as sons, who are called sons of God. That is all about the 144,000. Okay. That is has that is not the rest of these people, the majority of Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. So when I, I mean, we just at my church on Wednesday yeah. nights, we've been going through First Peter. Okay. okay? And uh, we just finished last night. And what you, what you notice is most of what's written in the new Testament is not written for the other sheep. It's only the 144,000 hmm. like, like, uh, first Peter here starts this way. Let me see here. Um, blessed, uh, verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to the great mercy has caused us to be born again. As soon as you see born again, yeah, cause us to be born again. Peter is not talking about all these other people. He's only talking about the 144,000 mm. because they're the only ones who are born again to a living hope yeah. through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, an inheritance, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Yeah. You just keep going. And here's the, here's my problem. Yeah. Most of the new Testament on their view yeah. has nothing to do, has no promises for those other sheep, the majority uh, of Jehovah's witnesses. Yeah. And that makes no sense to me because Peter is writing to persecuted Christians. He's talking to all Christians right now. This yeah. letter gives is no hope to, to the majority of Christians because they aren't the 144,000. Right. That's a huge, I mean, that's a huge deal. And it'll start to, when you start to read the gospel with that lens, uh, the Bible, the New Testament with that lens, you begin to see over and over again, it talks about being adopted as sons yeah. and this, but this is only the 144,000. Here's the thing. Huh. This is incorrect teaching. First John five, one, everyone, everyone <laughs> who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Amen. <laughs> and everyone who loves the father, uh, loves whoever has been born of him. They would say, no, only the 144,000. They have to change that. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's just so many uh, Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive, here it is, adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, 
So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, you are an heir through God. No, you can't. No Jehovah's Witness can read that and say, that's me. That's a shame. They have to say, oh, that's 144,000. Right. So this is, I mean, this is real. The consequences of this teaching are, um, are huge in light of all the promises about eternal life and what uh, the inheritance that we get and so on in the new Testament. Um, but the, the main thing, and here's where you can go with someone who says 144,000, I would take them to revelation seven and, and get them to read it. And I heard the number of, uh, and I heard the number of the sealed 144 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. The 144,000 are not anointed class of Jehovah's Witnesses. Right. It says here. In they're from, their own New World Translation as well. Yeah. Yes. Every tribe of the sons of Israel. And then it says, it goes on to say 12,000 from this tribe, 12,000 from that tribe, 12,000 from this tribe. Oh. What's, what's interesting is I would ask the Jehovah's Witness, why did you take the number literally? You believe in a literal number of 144,000. But then the rest of the sentence, you take figuratively. Yeah. From every, the 144, sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. Um, That is bad hermeneutics. And then when you go to Revelation 14, it actually says in verse four, who these are. It is these who have not been defi- who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. Again, oh. same thing in the New World Translation, right? And the, so the hundred forty-four thousand not defiled by a woman, and what it means by their ver- so these are men. They're, first of all, we know from chapter seven, they're Israelites. Mm-hmm. Second, they're men. Third. They're, they're virgins. They're men who have never had sex. Mm-hmm. So that, does that, and I would ask the Jehovah's Witness, do, do you have in your 144,000, do you have men who are married? Do you have in the 144,000, do you have men? Um, do you have women in your 144,000? Yeah. Because that is, that is not what, I mean, these guys are all about what the Bible really teaches right that's their that's their big thing yeah well help me out here with this and there is no good response the watchtower simply just has to make this all into figurative except for this one literal number picking cherries but uh that's right when we were talking to these individuals they were black women and it seemed like they were trying to become, according to them, one of these 144,000. I get them to read it. I was like, according to even your own writing, you can't qualify because these are Jewish virgin males and you're a black woman and I doubt you're a virgin, you know? Yeah. And so, but that's that. Uh, I've learned and, and I want to close on where well, I got, I got two more questions for you, but on one sure. of them is during that engagement, I've realized I had to stop talking to one lady mm. and focus my attention directly on another one and talk to her. Yeah. And, and I, I bet you're going to 
elaborate on that a, a little bit here in a mm -hmm. minute. But before we yeah. do that, uh, 144,000, talk about deity of Christ, Holy Spirit's active force, this and that. It's interesting in John 3.16 in the New World Translation, instead of saying, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him should never perish, mm. they say should not be destroyed. Yeah. So what do they teach as far as those who either A, never heard the Jehovah Witness gospel, or B, they heard it and they reject it? Is there a second chance salvation, purgatory? What do they do with those people? Yeah, so it's it's interesting. And there's a couple uh, things tied together here. Because Jehovah's okay. Witnesses do not believe in the soul. Mm. Um, and this may come as a surprise to people listening. Um, it, yeah, they, they believe they're physicalists. And what that means is they uh, when it comes to the body, okay. they don't believe that there's... Uh, there's a soul body composite or something like that. It's just, it's just physical. So when I die, mm -hmm. I'm gone. Okay. And so that's, that's part of their belief. So people who have died are gone. They're annihilated is, is the term. Um, right. Now those who are, uh, who believe in Jehovah, follow the organization, follow the rules and so mm -hmm. forth. They are raised. Um, again, we said two, two different, um, Two different classes, two different destinations. There's mm -hmm. ones who get a resurrection, as they would use the term, as a spiritual resurrection. Mm -hmm. And then there are those who don't get a resurrection, but it's more like a recreation, okay? Because they uh, classify a resurrection as spirit, like what Jesus got. Okay. Which, by the way, Jesus said, destroy this. He's so he's they're looking at the temple, right? And yep. destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. And then it says, this is John two. He was speaking of the temple of his body. Mm -hmm. He, he was, he, his, Jesus belief was you put me in the grave, my body, I'm coming out with a body, the yep. same body, right? When he showed Thomas the wounds, he was showing him, I am a physical body that died on that cross and his back. They have to believe that the archangel, Michael, because they believe Jesus was the archangel Michael, created being, yeah. uh -huh. became a human, and now has taken on his form again as an angelic spiritual form. Mm. Okay. So he made himself look like he had a body, uh -huh. which angels we know can do. Yeah. But why? I mean, it seems deceptive. Hey, look, I got you. Here's the wounds. Well, yeah. actually, I'm just manufacturing. These aren't even the real wounds, right? He's just putting yeah. on a show. And then, of course, there's in, in Luke 23, or maybe it's 24, 26, um, Jesus, he's resurrected. He's eating fish. Yeah. They, think, they think they see him as a spirit. He says, I'm not a spirit. I'm not a I mean, there is a clear refutation of the spiritual resurrection nonsense. Oh, yeah. He says, I'm not a spirit. I, I'm flesh and bones. And here, and then he eats with them as proof. Okay, so, so. My point was there's two there's there's the resurrection, spiritual resurrection. Mm -hmm. Then there's those people are in heaven with Jehovah, and then you get and, and Jesus, and then you get uh the rest of the Jehovah's Witnesses on earth recreated with bodies, yeah. but they wouldn't classify that, they wouldn't call that a resurrection. Uh-huh. Um, and the rest, there is no hell. Um, there's just uh and so they've gotten rid of the the word hell is yeah. almost scrubbed from the, the Bible. Uh, the new world translation. Uh -huh. Um, and they use things like destruction. 
Um, and of course that is a, that is a metaphor. And so what they take that to mean is that, uh, these people are ultimately annihilated. Um, yeah, I'm curious because like in the New World Translation, Daniel 12 talks about everlasting, uh, I think it's Daniel yeah. 12, everlasting contempt. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious as far as how they make that holiday. And there will be many that sleep in the ground of the dust who will wake up these to indefinitely lasting life and those to reproaches and indefinitely lasting abhorrence. Yeah. No idea what they're talking about there. So they, this is, um, cause I've done a little bit of interaction cause there's, there's a, yeah. there's a movement within, uh, Christianity called conditional immortality. Yeah. And it's a belief very similar. It's not the same as what Jehovah, Jehovah's witness believe, uh, conditional immortality teaches that, uh, there will be a resurrection of everyone, which is what the Bible teaches, right. not just, not just those who follow Jehovah. Right. Um, and, and when that happens, uh, the conditional immortality people <clears throat> would say that your immortality is conditioned on belief in Christ. So those who, so there's everlasting life for yeah. believer, uh-huh. the unbeliever, well, you don't get immortality. So God destroys you. Um, and uh, they take that to be, to be some form of annihilation. And yeah. maybe it's over time. Maybe it's instantly. I mean, there's a whole lot of de- debate yeah. over what that means. So they, so what they would say, I've heard them respond to Daniel 12. Yeah. And they would say that the contempt, the contempt is what the people alive feel. So people really? maybe are familiar with, uh, here's an illustration uh-huh. with Ravi Zacharias and what just happened. I mean, basically his, his ministry now is is turned to dust essentially right in canada they closed the doors oh yeah um and and some other places i mean they're rebranding and everything else so here's ravi his legacy he is now held by most of us with contempt Mm -hmm. because of what happened so even though he's gone um so on their on their on their view he's he's annihilated but everyone else holds him forever and ever in contempt so that's how they would they would say it's I, I'm not saying that's uh, right. I'm yeah. just saying that is how they interpret that passage. Yeah. Um, I see, I mean, I when I look at uh the passages in Revelation in particular, but even um the words of Jesus, it seems to me that the torment will be everlasting. Yeah. So yeah. this this is uh again, this isn't something I when it comes to certain issues with JWs, I'm not going to argue. Like, I'm not going to argue the age of the earth with the JW, <laughs> right? Because that's an in-house discussion. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, even if I got them to believe whatever, you mm-hmm. know, um, I it wouldn't it won't it wouldn't be helpful because that's not going to get you saved. Um, so my focus is on the majors, yeah. things like the deity of Christ. Um, the who is god you mm-hmm. know whether he's a trinity or not mm-hmm. um and uh so wh- the, what the gospel is these are kind of central deals yeah. um whether they go door to door or not you know the, the some of these other things and and i'm not the, and i would put maybe the annihilation thing um it, it, it wouldn't be the first thing i'd go to Right. But it's certainly something that we would need to talk to talk about. Yeah. 
No. Now, he, I will add this. Those who, I, I am unclear about what they teach about what happens to those who've never heard. Okay. Because um, the guys who came to my door who were pretty high up. Yeah. They, the one guy seemed to be arguing some form of like um, second chance. Yeah. Which made no sense to me on there. It's like he didn't understand his own view because if you're an I, if you die apart from Jehovah, you're gone. There's yeah. no soul that lives on. You're gone. And unless you believe in Jehovah, you're not going to be recreated or resurrected. Right. So where do you fit a second chance even in there? Ask you know, mm -hmm. so I, I mean, I was scratching my head trying to figure out, it was like, he didn't even understand his own, his own views. Yeah. It, again, there's a lot of similarities with them and Mormonism because Mormonism teaches for those that uh, didn't fully understand the gospel of the Latter-day Saints, that they teach proxy baptism for those that are deceased. Mm -hmm. And then the deceased individual has the opportunity in the afterlife to receive that baptism and to either go to the terrestrial or celestial kingdom. And I'm thinking logically, okay, if the Mormon gospel is true and I die and I'm like, hey, yeah, it was true. I never was baptized. And then, hey, here's an opportunity for baptism. Why wouldn't I receive it? Why would someone deceased? You, you know what I mean? And yeah. so that second chance salvation, it just doesn't pass the logic test, yeah. if you will. Yeah. That's good. But no, you make a good point. If, if you're annihilated at the point there, how is there that second chance salvation? But I, I think it also is, is just a tactic of, of Satan and the fact that if you want to get people to stop talking about an eternal literal hell, mm -hmm. then I'm sorry. And it's never meant to be a fear tactic. It's something that Jesus taught on that's legitimate. It's like yeah. if you have cancer, you want to know so you can make preparations. Yeah. But it's like Satan wants to pull that that doctrine out. So that people are like, okay, I just, I, from the dust I came and to the dust I go, or mm -hmm. I'll just go back to the stars as Lawrence Krauss, you know, argues, whatever the case mm -hmm. is, but understanding scripture from a, you know, a literal hermeneutics, you know, taking literal as literal, unless context dictates otherwise, that there is a heaven to gain or a Jesus to gain, I should say, and a hell to shun. Yeah. But so many times this false teaching gets in and people don't see that there is a literal place of everlasting, you know, uh, torment, separation from God. And I, I like how one person put it is, you know, if, if God is everything good, you know, if, you know, the coolness on your skin, the great days you have sunlight, imagine a moment where there is zero, you have nothing good in your life, period. Mm -hmm. Everything is as horrible as it could be. Yeah. And that's a picture of really what hell is going to be like is because it's complete utter separation from God. Yeah. The only goodness we get is because of its essence coming from God. But yeah. I don't know that's a theological discussion that can you know lead to a lot of different rabbit trails. But I do want to ask you the final question, and this is taking all this practically. Sure. What's the best way to engage in witness to a Jehovah? I mean, we can get into doctrinal, doctrinal arguments, call out sure. the Bible study group and pit, blah, 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 blah. How do we get to the heart of the matter? So here is, here's what I've learned. Yeah. And this was through trial and error. Okay. And a lot of error. Um, because we, I mean, I had so many conversations in our house where, 
you know, they were here for over two hours on the right. sofas and we, it felt like, it felt like we didn't accomplish much. Um, when they left, like I, I, I would have them leave feeling really frustrated yeah. on occasions. And, um, so what here's, here's kind of the plan that I set out and it started to work really well. Okay. Um, so the first thing I do is I set the terms of the okay. discussion. It's better to pick one issue when you're talking with JWs, mm-hmm. um, and focus on that one thing than to bounce around all over the place, okay? Without looking into any of them thoroughly. And this is the JW, I mean, they rely on this. They rely on, and now it's easier because they all have iPads. It's not like they're flipping pages anymore. They started coming and it's like, they can jump from verse to verse with like three clicks, okay? And so that makes it very difficult to to follow. So what I would do is, um, I want to set the terms from, from the outset. Here's okay. what we're going to, yeah. to talk about. Um, the second thing is stay on topic. So if you set the terms and say, look at, we're going to talk about the deity of Christ. That's our focus. Okay. Now I'm going to, I'm going to make sure we stay on that topic. And what I found was they're hard to pin down on one topic. They want to jump over to other issues. Let's talk yeah. about the cross versus torture stake. You know, let's talk about spiritual resurrection or evil or, or whatever. And you got all these different other topics that we get to. Yeah. But I, we agreed. And this is what I would do, by the way, I got their number and, and maybe some people won't feel comfortable with this, but I would text them and say, okay, you're coming at 10. So mm-hmm. first thing is, no surprise visits. And mm-hmm. here's the thing. I traveled a lot before COVID with yeah. speaking. I was gone every, virtually every week, you know, oh, wow. and I didn't feel comfortable with having them come to my house with just my wife and kids here, mm-hmm. even though I, I wasn't fearful of them, but right. um, it was just my wife, you know, went toe to toe with them a few times and, and she would get very angry and discouraged and whatever. So yeah. I said, look it, don't surprise visit my house. You guys have my number. You text me. You're in the neighborhood. Fine. Just give me a heads up. Yeah. But usually what we would do is it was always a week's notice. So I could prepare. Okay. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the deity of Christ and I want to focus on, mm-hmm. um, and I'll give them the verses. Here are some verses. Yeah. So they know, and I know, right. And when they show up, we can have a good discussion on it. And so so the first thing I do is set the terms. Second, stay on topic. Don't let them leave. And the second thing, the third thing is slow them down. Okay. <laughs> slow them down because again, um, they, they're good at dodging and weaving and well, what about this? Okay. We're talking about D of Christ. What about, um, the father is greater than I, or, um, someone's yeah. the door. and, uh, and, all these other verses, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's yeah. all these other verses. And I want to slow them down and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. before we get there, yeah. let's finish our discussion on this particular passage. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, that's kind of this. And, and, and then finally, there's usually because they come in twos, they come in pairs door to door. And we didn't really talk about why they do door to door, but <laughs> again, mistranslation from book of acts, they went from house to house. It says, yeah. But what is going on there? I got an article about this. They went from house church. That's how the church started. It was in houses. So yeah. they went from house church to house. So what they're doing, I mean, I get it. And, and maybe Christians should, you know, 
adopt a, an approach to do more evangelism, right. maybe door to door, but it's not that that's commanded by scripture. Right. Um, but the, the point is they're coming when twos and usually there's an experienced Jehovah's witness and a, and a newbie. Yeah. And sometimes the newbie, I mean, they stopped bringing newbies to my place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, they had one kid who wasn't even baptized yet. They, they got to go through like intense study before yeah. they kind of qualify for baptism. Oh, wow. Well, it's, it's yeah. not like, it's not like the book of acts where it's like, let's go get, find some water, you know, yeah. and get baptized, you know, uh, wow. you, it's like, okay, are you, are you done your two year training? Yeah. Um, and this kid wasn't even done his training yet. Mm-hmm. So he was still green and, <laughs> uh, and man, I was laying into him. Um, I was being sweet, but I was really asking him questions. They wouldn't even, they won't let him answer. I'm yeah. like, I, I kept saying, Jack, I'm not talking to you. Yeah. I'm talking to him. And Jack, I'm not talking to you. I want to hear from him. Don't. Yeah. And it was so, I mean, it was just interesting to see um, that uh, they, the kid was very open to hearing. And, and he was like, oh yeah. Oh, I didn't know we believed that. You know, that kind of thing. Whereas yeah. they, and these two guys that came with them, yeah. it was three at the time. Uh, they're like looking at each other and they were uncomfortable. Like they were trying to get out. And I'm just like, how can I keep them here? Okay. Yeah. Can I offer you guys waters? Can I, like, I'm, I'm trying my best to keep you in my living room. Yeah. And, uh, because, uh, I found that that was an, it was an effective use of time. Yeah. So there you go. Stay on top, pick your, set your, set your terms, stay on topic, slow them down and focus on the person you think you're going to have the most impact on. Yeah. And, uh, oftentimes there's, there's one in the, of the group that, um, and here, here's the last thing that just occurred to me. And I need to say this. <laughs> don't be discouraged when they don't convert on the spot, that they don't change their mind. You're this, just come to the, come to terms with the fact that they're not going to say, Oh, you're right. Jesus is God. I just, I see the right. light now yeah. mm-hmm. that that road of, you know, Damascus experience is likely not going to happen on your front porch. Yeah, it could, but what is likely going to happen is you're planting a seed mm-hmm. and, and that seed's going to germinate and, yeah. and God's going to, the Holy Spirit's going to use it. God's going to use it. And, um, and who knows what's going to happen? I mean, some of these people I'll never, I'll probably never see again, these Jehovah's yeah. witnesses. I've kind of been blacklisted now. Huh. Um, yeah. and, uh, so, uh, you, but you just don't know. And so be a gardener. And stand a reason we talk about this harvesters, there's harvesters and there's gardeners and there's times I've harvested and there's other times where I've just been a gardener and yeah. I've been watering and I've been tilling and I've been doing all the gardening stuff and I'm going to leave it to God to see what happens. Amen. Amen. I like what you said. It brings to mind the idea of this fact that a lot of times we want to look at success as results when in reality, in God's eyes, success is obedience. Mm-hmm. So God is calling us to say something and we're all commanded to just tell people right and uh yeah it's just fascinating like when we had those jehovah witnesses you talk to the one instead and i was blacklisted from mormons uh they took me off there and actually interviewed a bunch of different ex-mormons and that is actually a legitimate thing that they do uh blacklist houses and it's pretty strategic on how they do it but Again, you got to be a Baptist preacher again. Well, this time you had four points. So, you know, instead of your three point, you know, outline, you got four here. 
but uh, yeah, that was awesome. I threw that one in, that last one in for free. <laughs> there you go. I appreciate that. So, is any closing comments, remarks, anything so, at all? So, if people have hung on this long, okay, because I know we've been going, but this has been a really good discussion, and um, and so I'm so kudos to anyone who's like made it this far. <laughs> I want just a couple resources um, besides your Bible. Um, you want to check out, I really found this, um, valuable Ron Rhodes reasoning from the scriptures with Jehovah's witnesses. It's been, it says on the cover update and expanded over a hundred thousand books sold. So yeah, it's, it's a great resource. The other thing is, um, if you go to standard reason, str.org, str.org, I've written so many articles on, um, Jehovah's witnesses. And the articles actually are come out of encounters. So what would happen is they'd show up yeah, on a Saturday, we'd talk and then they'd leave. And I, I just, I'd cop on my computer and start writing about it. So mm-hmm. you'll end up, you'll get to know some of the Jehovah's witnesses that I, nice. uh, encounters that yeah. I had. If you go to this article, I compiled everything or most of the articles, there's about 20 of them on one kind of page. And so the, if people were to look up talking to Jehovah's witnesses, start here, talking to Jehovah's witnesses, start here. Mm-hmm. And I have a section on Holy spirit section on the deity of Christ. Um, there's a bunch of different things on there, um, at resources that I think are, are helpful. I don't know if there's 15 or 20 of them. So people can check that out. It's mm-hmm. kind of a one-stop shop for a bunch of articles that may, that may help them, yeah. um, as they have their discussions. Awesome. Appreciate it. We're going to get all those links in the description of the video plus timestamps. Mr. B, again, thank you for your time. Uh, Red Pen Logic, go check out his ministry over there on STR Stand Reason, as well as YouTube channel, standalone YouTube channel, right under Red Pen Logic. That's right. And uh, this guy is such a character on his videos. He he was sort of even kill today, but he is so funny. But He's able to take fallacious arguments and explain them so that anybody can understand. That's one thing when I started getting into apologetics, learning all the fallacies and the red herring and the straw man, the ad hominem, mm. things like that. Mr. B is able to show in writing, in a tweet or whatever the case is, the different fallacies in play. And so go check them out for sure. But uh, like you said, for anybody else still still around checking this out, uh, thank you for your perseverance. Uh, we love doing long interviews. If you're listening to the audio, hopefully the audio quality was clear, but don't forget to like, comment, share, subscribe, and uh, not just here, but Mr. B at Red Pen Logic as well. So until next time, thanks for checking out. God bless. <laughs>